amazing how many songs have the word Calvary in it. Here at church, it was, I've always wanted to go, Calvary, yay! And just, you know, every time the word Calvary comes up, some sort of thing we do just because it's Calvary. Uh, Joshua chapter 5 and the fall of Jericho. Jo- Joshua chapter 5, the sermon title is God's Side versus the Side God is On. God's Side versus the Side God is On. In uh, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, now when, the, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. Joshua fell down on the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And Joshua did so. When you look at that passage of Scripture, you are reminded that Joshua and the children of Israel had crossed the Jordan, and now they had entered into the Promised Land. All that remained now was for them to conquer the land. You remember they had tried that before. But speaking from a human standpoint, at least Joshua's, that's, that still seemed impossible uh, from what they saw and who they were. But you know that Joshua was God's chosen successor after Moses. But I had to imagine he thought, what am I thinking? What am I doing? How am I supposed to do this? You know, we've just been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. We're not necessarily a group collected soldiers and and people who do this all the time we don't have all the resources i can imagine all the things would have went through his mind because of where he had come to where he was it was an awesome responsibility at least it was i think to him the task ahead was daunting then he sees this man standing before him with a drawn sword i don't know how the sword was drawn i don't know if it was over his shoulder you know like, yeah, this is not a big deal. I don't know if it's to his side. I don't know if it was back like this. It doesn't say, but it just says it's drawn. It was curious enough, at least to Joshua, to ask the question, are you on our side or God's side? Are you or for us or for our enemies? And, and the reply, at least in the international version, comes back, neither. I'm neither for you or for them. I'm on the Lord's side. I am the captain of the Lord's host. That is why I have come. I think we are prone to say, I want God on my side. It's an easy thing to say. I hope God's on my side. I want God on my side. I pray God's on my side. We use expressions like that. The way a person can tell that they are on the side of God is to get on God's side to start with, to be there in the beginning. I think we hear things like this. God is for the Republicans. God is for the Democrats. God is for the uh, Americans. God is for the Mexicans. God is for the blacks. God is for the whites. God is for the Church of Christ. God is for the Baptists. We hear that. We hear people say God is for group of somebody. Everybody wants to claim that God is on their side. But when they fail... (laughs) which happens a lot of times when people are saying that, they can hardly believe it was because 
God was on their side. How could we have failed? God was on our side. I think we have to, at least as modern Christians, recognize the same truth and the same message that Joshua learned that day, that we can find ourselves doing the impossible. But we need to find out whether we are on God's side, not whether he is on ours. Who is on the Lord's side? I think the answer was clear from Joshua when you look at that. I read a quote that Napoleon once was asked, was God on their side? And he says, Napoleon said, God is on the side with the largest battalion. I think he was a great military leader, but he was a poor theologian. Uh, No, I don't think that is the determining factor. I think if God is not on your side, that is going to lead to failure. The presumption that God is on your side could lead to failure. Just, um, Just supposing that God is on your side without really knowing whether or not you're on God's side. And that's the problem, isn't it? It's God's side versus the Lord is on my side or whose side is the Lord on? That's a question we have to deal with. When you, when you look at the passage, it was 40 years earlier that they had come to this same place. And the Israelites tried to force God to be on their side. They, they tried to force his hand. He told them they were going to wander. They're going to wander in the wilderness, and that was the end of that. But they still went ahead and tried to invade the promised land. And if you know what happened, thinking that God would fight for them, well, we're the promised people. If we just kind of go, we'll force God's hand and he'll do something. But that's not what happened. They were beaten badly. They lost. Joshua, I think, at this moment was in danger of presuming the same thing that they had presumed 40 years before. The difference is that he realized he needed to be on God's side, not trying to get God on his side. We see that in this passage. Whenever we try to make God be on our side, things will never work out like we plan. You and I hear that all the time. Our side, their side, the side, this side, that side, whatever side. But it's really God's side, isn't it, that we ought to be on? I think many Christians, at least in today's society, believe that God is a Republican. Truth is, God doesn't care about politics. He uses them as tools, either side. Republicans or Democrats need to look to see if whether they are on God's side, not whether God is on their side. God is even, even on the side of the Baptists. We're just a tool for him to use, not he is a tool for us to use. We need to make sure that as Christians, we are on God's side, that our allegiance is first and foremost not to the name on a building. I'm proud to be a Baptist. I'm glad I'm a Baptist. I've raised a Baptist. I have studied other religions. I've gone to schools that were not Baptist schools. I have been exposed to other thoughts. I've had a choice. But I do not put my allegiance on the name on the building and follow God. I try to be on his side. And if a church, if we are on God's side, great. If we're not, then we need to figure out how to be on God's side. What we did that was wrong, we cannot fit God into our will. I think many people try to do that. They try to uh, defend their position by assuming, again, or presuming that God is on their side and that will never work. Don't ever presume that God is on your side. 
you have to see if you are on God's side. I wonder if Joshua remembered the passages of Scripture in Joshua 1 when God said these things to him. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Have I not commanded thee, Joshua 1, 9, be strong and of courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. If I got a message like that, I might presume that God was on my side. I might assume he was on my side. But if I acted differently throughout my life, if I did not seek the Lord and pray and find out whether I was doing the right thing, I would be assuming or presuming that something was not true, that God was on my side. God promised to be with him, but he didn't say anything about a blank check. I think there are some ways you can know that God is on your side. We'll look at those. First, I think you can know that God is on your side or know that you are on God's side is the right way to say that when you recognize the Lord in your life or our life if you want to say it that way when I recognize the Lord in my life at first glance Joshua didn't recognize that the man was the Lord when you look at this passage you need to recognize that this was God how do I know that? Because when he fell down and worshipped him, he didn't tell him to get up and not do that. We're in trouble. You can't worship me. Any other angel where you fall down before it and, and try to worship the angel, the angel says, get up, get up. I'm not God. So this is what's called in, in the Bible a theophany. A theophany. That's where God shows up in this sense as, as something else, as an angel or, or a representative from God. When you look at the words, he says, I am as the commander of the army. So I'm acting as commander of the army. So this is the Lord because he accepted the worship from Joshua. No angel would do that. No angel would accept the worship from the Lord. First glance, he didn't know him as the Lord, but he answered him. Ultimately, he recognized who he was. I think many times we encounter the Lord in our lives and we may not be cognizant of the fact that he is right before us. You remember the, on the road to Emmaus in Luke, in Luke chapter 24, it states this, that their eyes were restrained so they did not know him. I wonder how many times we have seen either an angel or the Lord, maybe himself. I, I don't know. God can do whatever he wants. He can show up wherever he wants to. He showed the disciples that, didn't he? He just showed up in the middle of where they were. Showed up on the bank, showed up in the room. He can do whatever he wants to. Whenever we get ourselves into trouble, it is, is that I think we get caught up with our dreams, with our feelings, with our emotions, our expectations, and we assume that God feels the same way that we do. Maybe we have some righteous indignation about something that's going on in the nation or maybe even in a church. And we feel like God feels just like we do. No, don't presume that God feels like you do. I think we have to be constantly praying and looking to see what god's side is and then do according to everything we can to be sure that we're standing next to him and not assuming he's standing next to us i find it interesting he challenges the man by asking him uh you know whose side are you on and then the word neither or maybe in your translation it says no are, are you no i'm not 
that got Joshua's attention. It was not the answer he was looking for. He was looking for one or the other, but then it was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm here as the Lord's commander. I'm here as commander of the army of the Lord. I have now come. I underlined that word as. I circled that word as as I was studying this. But as the commander, I'm acting as the chief of the army of the Lord. I think first we have to recognize him. Having, secondly, having recognized him, we worship. Having recognized him, we worship him. And that's exactly what Joshua did. Joshua fell down on his face and worshiped him, Joshua 14. Again, he saw him as the Lord. How awesome was that to recognize who was before him? You know, we we read in the Bible of the invasion of Judah by the Assyrians who were at that time a major power. And the prophet Isaiah sent a message to King Hezekiah not to worry that they would they would not shoot an arrow into the city. That's a great promise. The Assyrians had sent a message to Hezekiah in which they told him that his God could be of no help against them. That the gods of the other nations were unable to stand against the might of the Assyrian army. Every other nation that's fallen before us, you will fall to, and your God won't help you, is what they said. We read in that passage in in the old testament that an angel how many one an angel shows up that night in the midst of the syrians and slaughtered 185,000 soldiers in one night in the morning there were 185,000 bodies lying outside jerusalem one angel destroyed 185,000 people one angel and he said i am here as the commander of the army of the Lord. How many would that be? I have no clue. How many legions of angels did Jesus bring with him when he stood there and he was talking to Joshua? I, I, I don't know. I, I know that's more than one. And can you imagine the power that would be involved in it? Jesus can just have a sword come out of his mouth and take care of everybody, it says in Revelation. So I know there's power there. No wonder he had faith in this man before him. He knew what he was and he knew what he could do. He knew what could happen. I think when we look at that, that faith is exhibited there, that it's not difficult to have the same mindset. Faith believes more in the promises of God than the power of Satan to hinder. Don't you think? I think faith gives comfort in the midst of fears, while unbelief or a lack of faith brings fears in the midst of comfort. I've watched people who have no reason to be upset, but just find a way to be upset because they want to seem to be afraid. I think faith makes great burdens light. Unbelief makes light burdens unbearably heavy. I think faith lifts us up when we're down and unbelief casts us down when we are up. Faith brings us to peace and comfort to our souls. Unbelief brings us restlessness. Faith brings assurance and unbelief brings fear. Is it any wonder he said, don't be afraid or dismayed? I'm with you. God knew what was coming. And he knew the encouragement that Joshua and the people of Israel would need. And I I imagine at that moment he remembered those verses we read and he had faith in what God could do. 
So he bowed down and he worshipped him. Thirdly, after you have recognized him, after you have bowed down and worshipped him because you recognize him, then you earnestly seek God's will for your life. You seek God's will for your life. You don't seek to try to talk God into your way. There's the difference. I've seen people bargain with God. Now, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. You know, the foxhole kind of uh, salvation experience. God, if you'll save me from this, then I'll be a missionary and I'll do that. Now, I'm not saying God can't honor that kind of prayer. He has done it, uh, but he's no obligation to do it. He may do it because it's part of his will, not because you convinced him to do it. And so Joshua says in verse 14, and he said to him, what does my Lord, again, that's another reason why I believe this is a theophany. What does my Lord say to his servant? Joshua 5, 14. I read a story about Kyle Eidelman. He tells a story that his four-year-old was in his study with him and he had this big oak desk in the middle and he wanted to move it over toward the window like you guys are sitting in the light. He wanted to move it over to the light where he could have better light as he, as he was working. And so he was starting to push the, the desk. And the little four-year-old, like many kids will do, got up in between the desk and the dad and started pushing and grunting and was helping dad push it up against the wall until one point she turned around and said, Dad, you are in my way. Let me do this. And said, fine. And so he stood back, and, of course, she grunted and squirmed and, and tried, and she, at that point, was unable to move the desk because daddy was not behind her pushing any longer. How many times have we decided to help God? Get out of my way, God, let me do this. To try to take over or, or try to convince him to be on our side to get this done. Have you ever noticed things don't go forward when God is not pushing? It just won't happen. Fourth, having found God's will, then obey his will. Having found God's will, then obey his will. Verse 15 says, Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. He obeyed. He did what he was told to do. I remember the story of what happened when Elisha was at Dothan, another example of following God. Syrians surrounded him. The servants were running into the house saying, what do we do, master? What are we supposed to do? We're surrounded. There's no way out. There's no help. We're by ourselves. Elisha answered, don't fear. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I can see the servant rubbing his head, maybe even pulling his hair out going, what in the world are you talking about? It's just us. I don't see anybody else. And so Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the servant's eyes were opened, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. For there is more with us than is with them. You see, God is on our side when we're on his side. When we're following him, when we're supposed to be where we are, you need to see that God is on your side when you're on his side. That's the difference. I, I want us to see that, that he, Joshua or Elisha, did not encourage the people to say, look what we've done. We've got more 
towers. We've got more weapons. We've got more people. No, they were encouraged to point the people to the fact that it was God who was there. And they were with God, not the other way around. Five. Having positioned himself on God's side, Joshua was blessed with a great victory. You read on in in the verses, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands, 6, 2, and 27. It's king, the mighty men of valor. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country, Joshua 6, 2, and Joshua 6, 27. Prior to the point of talking to the Lord, they were depending on their own abilities, right? He walks up to a man and he's trying to ascertain, are you against us or for us? Us, you see that? Are you against us or for us? So he was looking at his own abilities. What, what did they have as resources? This man was a potential resource. He didn't see him as God yet. He didn't recognize who he was. The Lord, our God, is going to help us fight our battles when they're his battles. When they're his battles, not our battles. We can be strong. We can be courageous. We don't have to be afraid or dismayed because it's the Lord's battle, isn't it? It's not mine. It's his battle. I don't know if you feel like things are over your head. I do. Things are beyond me. I feel the tasks that lie are greater than I can handle at times. And sometimes it's easy to begin to become dismayed, to be fearful or be apprehensive about the future. And yet, he tells me not to be. He encourages me that I don't have to be. The same captain of the Lord of hosts who met Joshua that day is here to meet you this evening and to encourage you so that you can be on God's side. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and thank you that you hear us. Lord, we many times try to bargain with you and Assume that you're on our side just because we have a name Christian or Baptist or American, and it's not true. We can suffer losses and then blame it because we thought you were on our side when we just had neglected to get on your side. Help us to have the spiritual insight and to to pray to seek you out and your side, to find you. We know that you are with us. The Bible says verses like that. If you're with us, who can be against us? We we recognize that, but it's at least should be with the assumption that we are doing what we're supposed to be doing, that we're on your side. We can never assume that we can go our own way or do our own thing. We are dying to ourselves daily and taking up the cross you have given us. And so we really are just following you. So like the disciples who were asked to follow, like Joshua who fell on his face, may we recognize the side we need to be on. We pray in your holy name.
Amen.